Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Martyrs and Missionaries. I'm Elise, and every episode I bring you a new martyr and or missionary, the called and the brave. In this episode, we're going to talk about King Edmund of East Anglia, who was martyred by Vikings. Alright, so in order to prepare for this episode, I have watched all six seasons of History Channel's Viking series. I'm just kidding. I've actually never seen it, but apparently it does contain at least a couple of the people that will appear in the episode this week. The Vikings are an interesting people group to study, but they are really confusing as well. The Viking Age lasted from the late 700s to the early 1100s, and the Vikings were actually a conglomeration of people from Sweden, Denmark, and Norway. Although they were really never united, they were more like individual groups that were led by chieftains that would occasionally fight each other, occasionally coming together to raid in larger groups. And many of the things we know about them actually come from fabricated stories told during the Victorian era of England in the 1800s, when there was a resurgence of interest in the Vikings. They made them sexy and scary and added a lot of made-up stuff to their history. They did it with the Vikings, we do it to gangsters of the Prohibition era. I don't get it, but it is a thing throughout human history. We make the bad guys kind of the bad boy vibe kind of thing. So a lot of the mythos that we get from the Vikings comes from Victorian England. For example, they never wore horned helmets, and they were fastidiously hygienic. A lot of combs and tweezers and such have been found at their Viking dig sites. And they bathed at least once a week, which was a vast improvement to the other people groups in Europe, who took a bath once every year or two. And now imagine how that would smell. And I know they say you get used to it, but just imagine that you are transported from where you're sitting right now, listening to this episode, to just in the middle of anywhere in medieval Europe. I, I think it would be pretty overwhelming, I think, to the, to the olfactory senses. The men often dyed their hair with a strong lye in order to make it blonde. Apparently women were more likely to be blonde than the men, and it was a really highly valued trait, so they would use this soap in order to dye their hair and beard. 
and a byproduct of the lye soap meant they never got head lice, another perk. They were only part-time raiders and spent the other part of their time working on the farm, and when they weren't on the farm or raiding, they were exploring, discovering, and settling Greenland, Iceland, and Newfoundland in Canada. And you may be thinking to yourself, they don't sound so bad. They smell good, they don't have lice, they're honest farmers with an adventuring streak. But au contraire. All this is true, but they were also brutal warriors who attacked monasteries and churches and killed all their occupants, stole people away as slaves to take back to Scandinavia or sell to the Byzantine or Islamic slave markets. And in fact, most of their revenue came from slave trading. They attacked monasteries and churches because they were really easy. The victims weren't armed and there was always something valuable inside. And they were also pretty cruel to the people they raided. I mean, besides murdering, pillaging, and slave trading, they also enjoyed employing various torture methods, the most infamous of which being the blood eagle. And my husband reminded me that there are children listening and it's very gruesome, so I'm not going to talk about it in detail, but Google it if you're interested. Another popular technique of torture was called hung meat. This is where they would put a hole through the heel of the victim and cord a rope through him, hanging them upside down. And I get the impression this leads to some pretty gnarly heart issues, which in turn lead to death. And then lastly, there was the fatal walk, which involved intestines and a tree. I mention all this to show you just how awful these guys were. Often just rumor of the Vikings coming and whispers of the blood evil would send villagers running to the hills. And this leads us to what is known as the Great Heathen Army, as it was called by the Christians. The Great Heathen Army was an army of Danes led by Ivar the Boneless and his brother Uba, which looks a lot like Hubba, but it's not much to my chagrin because it'd be kind of fun to think about Ivar the Boneless and his brother Hubba, but it's Uba. So they were on a vengeance campaign to avenge the death of their father, Ragnar, who had been killed by a king in northern England. And Ragnar was killed after being tossed into a pit of venomous snakes. And if you're wondering how Ivar the Boneless got his name, it was most likely because he had brittle bone disease, which is a difficult and awful thing in the most cushy of circumstances. But when you're a Viking in medieval Europe, I'm sure it was quite the struggle. But nonetheless, he became a leader of a notorious band of Vikings. Ivar and Uba pillaged their way through England, captured the city and the king who killed their father, and performed the Blood Eagle on him. They held the city and tried to push further on, but they were turned around on their way back to Scotland, I believe. They were all over the place, so it's difficult to keep it all straight, but they ran into King Edmund of East Anglia in central England on the coast. Now, we don't know a lot about Edmund. As the Vikings came through, they burned and looted everything, so pretty much anything that might have been recorded was destroyed. We do know that he rode out to meet the Vikings in battle, and he lost. He was captured, and Ivar offered to make him a puppet king if he renounced Christ. Edmund refused, and he was beaten severely, yet he still refused to renounce the Lord. Ivar then had him tied to a tree and ordered his men to use Edmund as target practice. Allegedly, he was so filled with arrows that he looked like a porcupine. He prayed to Jesus for strength, and eventually Ivar became bored of him and had him beheaded, and he died in 869. And there's this book called the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, and it contains all the old English writings of Anglo-Saxon history. And about Edmund's death, they are very matter-of-fact. It reads, This year the army rode over Mercia into East Anglia, and there they fixed their winter quarters at Thetford. And in the winter, King Edmund fought with them, but the Danes gained victory and slew the king, whereupon they overran all the land and destroyed all the monasteries to which they came. The names of the leaders who slew the men were Ivar and Uba. 
And here's something kind of interesting because it leads into a larger part of what I want to discuss, which is the Christianization of the Vikings. Within 20 years, that area of England was almost entirely Viking and supposedly pagan, but they had coins minted which bore the name and face of King Edmund and say, Oh, St. Edmund the King. It's kind of a weird thing to commemorate the guy that you killed, but maybe it was a sign of respect for his honorable death. Vikings were really into dying honorably. It could have also been a sign of the religious dualism between Christianity and the Norse gods, which was something they really struggled with. It was a real problem. And early on, around 710, before the Vikings became raiders, or at least notorious for it, Willibrord from North England became the first missionary to Denmark. I think I'm saying his name right, but I'm not entirely sure. But anyway, it didn't go very well. The people were not receptive at all. And he found it such a difficult mission that he left with 30 converts and became a missionary to the Friesens in the Netherlands. And that went much better for him. I think he's far more known for that than he ever is anything they did with the Vikings. As the Vikings brought home more slaves and conquered more land, they intermarried and lived side by side with the English and fought for the Byzantine Empire and began to adopt Christianity alongside the Old Norse religion. And this was so widely accepted that there's even a saying that originated among the sailors, On land I worship Christ, on the sea I worship Thor. Norse iconography was featured prominently with Christian symbols. Many Viking kings were required to be baptized in order to trade or fight alongside the English kings, And so they did, and it was a bit of a joke among them because they were so often baptized that they were concerned that their baptismal garments might wear out and not be worthy for the next one. Christianity being accepted among the Vikings as a whole varied from country to country and even from group to group, but that changed when Harold Bluetooth united Denmark and became king of both Norway and Denmark. He converted to Christianity in the 960s and made Denmark a Christian nation. And we know this because he erected monuments to the occasion which read, King Harold bade these memorials to be made after Gorm his father and Thera his mother, the Harold who won the whole of Denmark and Norway and turned the Danes to Christianity. Harold Bluetooth is also who Bluetooth technology is named after, and much like he united Denmark and Norway, Bluetooth technology connects your devices. And in fact, the old Bluetooth symbol is actually the combination of the old Norse H and B runes that overlap. And this sounds like an ad, but it's actually true. If you don't believe me, look it up. I, I promise it's true. Harold also had his father exhumed from his pagan mound and reburied in a Christian grave. And when reading through the different accounts of kings who converted to Christianity, you can kind of tell if it was for political gain or not. Some of the kings and regions have a marked historical turnaround. They were no longer raiding and taking slaves. After death, pagan Vikings were buried with all their possessions and even a sacrificed slave or two to take to the afterlife. And after their conversion, that didn't happen. And around 1100, the Viking Age was over, and many of the raiders settled down and were content to farm and coexist with their neighbors. They had completely integrated into traditional medieval European life. I never know what I'm going to find when I do episodes like this. I have an idea, and then it just kind of becomes something else entirely. And there wasn't actually a lot of information about Edmund himself, but there was a lot about the Christianization of the Vikings. And it was a really interesting part of history to dig into that you don't really hear about. And even if it gets a bit convoluted and political, you can still see how the Vikings, who were so hungry for material goods and glory, when exposed to the gospel, they changed. They stopped taking slaves, and they stopped plundering. And this was their livelihood they gave up. They didn't farm for profit, just enough to feed their families. So they had to learn an entirely new way of life, 
And if that wasn't somewhat genuine, I think you would have seen a lot more pushback. So anyway, I hope you found that as interesting as I did. And next time you're hanging out with somebody, drop some Viking knowledge on them and tell them about your favorite podcast. As always, thanks for listening to Mars and Missionaries. I'm Elise. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.